This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, so welcome back, you guys, for another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. This is a podcast for the constantly unoffended but consistently irritated individuals. It is not our fault that everything is annoying as fuck. Um, As always, I'm your host, Sydney, sharing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves this week. I know I've had kind of a um, hiatus for the past two weeks, but was busy. I celebrated a birthday. I also got a chance to travel. So it was nice to kind of just have that little break and relaxation. But I am happy that I'm back with the new guest. I am joined this week by writer, director, and producer Tanja Stidham. Okay. Yes, she has credits from The Root, um, GQ, Blavity, and Ebony commenting on various pop culture moments as well as trending topics. And I am super duper excited to have her here with me today. Um, Tanja, do you want to give a quick introduction? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sydney. And happy belated birthday, first of all. I'm like, Thank hey. you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm Tanja Renee Stidham. I am a writer, director, producer. I do some copywriting and screenwriting um, professionally. I am developing a comedy web series called Wing Chick, um, which is really fun and also irritating um, because of this industry and how long it takes. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm um, a comedy writer, uh, first and foremost, and I am so excited to talk to you, Sydney. Yes. So you guys, I am so happy to be chatting about something near and dear to me, which is none other than the one and only Beyonce. Like Beyonce is essentially one of my favorite artists and entertainers. Um, She's easily the creme de la creme of modern day singers and performers for me. Like my, I got on my Renaissance t-shirt. Um, as a birthday gift, my boyfriend probably got me the best gift this year. And I was kind of shocked because he got me homecoming on vinyl. So I'm super duper excited. I've played it a little bit, but even then I am kind of destructive. So I really just want to have it to look at and admire instead of actually play, but obsessed with Beyonce, um, And I am super duper excited to have Tanja here with me today as we get into discussing more of her artistry and what I feel like is her most recent masterpiece, Renaissance. So moving into the very first segment of the show, we have fed up or up. So for all my new listeners, this show is really about how you guys get to know my guests better in terms of learning what gets under their skin. Because what better way to know somebody than knowing what has them fed the hell up? <laughs> so I'll start off this week's episode just with a quick snippet. I I kind of titled this just in my own thoughts that mean girls don't finish first. And the mean girl that I am referring to is somebody that I also am a fan of, but I am kind of fed up with, which is none other than 
Nicki Minaj. Had a feeling. Lord, I know the barbs. Y'all can cancel the show if y'all want to, baby. I only got 190 followers on Instagram, so so be it. But I'm going to still speak my piece because I am a fan of Nicki Minaj. I've loved her forever. She is an amazing artist just in terms of her just in terms of her overall entertainment style, how she made an interest onto the music scene, just her kind of being in a very male dominated lane and genre, but making her own way, starting her own fan base. Like I remember being in like maybe eighth or seventh grade, looking at Nicki Minaj rap on YouTube, like on the little underground scene and so forth. So she's come such a long way, but at the same time, the pivot that I've seen from her, I don't like. And even recently, um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen how she made the comments against uh, Real Housewives Garzelle Wolvius over the sexual assault victim interview, which was done a year ago mm-hmm. on The Real when they sat down um, with the woman who's at the center of those sexual assault accusations against her husband Kenneth Petty um but she recently came out blasting the real housewife on her show um on Queen's radio this past Sunday and was really just like coming for and saying all of these things and even talking about Garzelle's 15 year old son as well as the fact that she's had a divorce and uh, and in a way I just feel like I don't like to me things like that when they say, oh, you should be able to separate the artist's music from their personal lives. But in that scenario with things such as like sexual assault and just that back and forth of like defamation, I just don't like it and I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, me either. Like that, that, that stuff is disgusting. Um, in in the the separating the the art from the the artist right I liken that to R. Kelly right that's also a discussion with him and I'm like how how the hell can you do that when his songs is literally about sex and these songs he's writing are about underage girls so Mm -hmm. like the same goes uh for Nikki and like when it gets to things like enabling her fans her stands or her cult really mm-hmm. of fans who are doxing people and abusing people and threatening them telling them mm-hmm. to die mm-hmm. all this stuff and she's enabling it she's like literally pushing it to go even further like and which is that's cool. the thing that's so scary to me because yeah. literally these barbs these stands online are digging up people's addresses people's social yes. security numbers and so forth and putting it out onto the world wide web and it's like you don't know what can even become of this like will somebody show up and harm them like there have been plenty of stories of people who work in entertainment who are not as high up as her or as notorious as her, but just getting a lot of backlash from her fans and getting those threats. And I'm always like, as an artist, why would you not feel compelled to be like, hey, I know y'all love me, but y'all need to pull back and relax. If anything, I can handle my legacy. I'm in charge of my destiny. I know y'all love and support me, but there's a way to go about this. And I feel like she's never really stood up 
mm-hmm. in that arena to say it. And I'm just always like, girl, you need to tell these, these, and then too, not to say that all of her fans are kids, but right. when you go online and you look at the, the profiles of the people doing this, they don't use their own image, their own exactly. likeness. They're using somebody else's stuff. Um, they're not sharing personal details or the personal details they do share about themselves. You are like, are these teenagers? Are these people who are not even of drinking age? Like, I'm not about to argue with somebody on the internet who cannot even rent a car. Period. To be quite honest. <laughs> like, no. And you're right. And that's what makes it even scarier, right? Their behavior is that they're underage and they're saying this vile shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're that young. I'm like, oh my God, imagine what you say when you get older and the kind of shit you're going to think when you get older. Like, it's mm-hmm. so scary. And so like um, the stuff they do, right, is getting people's numbers, posting their address and stuff, saying they're going to bomb the, their apartment and like all this stuff I've seen. And Nikki's over here liking it and liking it. And it's like, yeah, girl, you have the power. Obviously, these people are following you like the Pied Piper, basically. Pretty, pretty much. You. I'm like, so you can turn that around into something positive. I mean, it's 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 the insecurity for me. Like, it's like you have to be insecure in yourself to to enable this to convey this I mean like you don't have anything to stand on in your own merit your own craft to go Mm -hmm. about in this way right when people just just critique you just Mm -hmm. something like really small and I've been on the other uh, hand of that before when I wrote for the root I wrote Mm -hmm. uh, about her and I was like joking about her and all these stands was coming to my comments calling me all kind of names just just all in my Instagram I had to block like so many people but I've never been like to that point where people are like literally being doxxed it's, it's gotten way more out of hand than even that like it's not even like the beehive stands where they're just always calling you ugly or whatever which is also bad or whatever but they you know they just be in your comments trolling your comments and stuff but then when it goes when it uh travels over to your real life and you're in harm's way I'm like come on y'all really yes re- like literally you need to take into consideration that this is a serious matter like you- yes are threatening me I can take you to court if I am able to prove you said or did this and I don't think Nicki Minaj is gonna pay for those lawyer fees get you out and all of that other type of shit and even outside of I feel like the legal matters that are occurring with her husband just even the back and forth with some of the newer female rap artists and how there seem to be this kind of like love hate relationship where somebody's maybe more of a new girl and she's like oh yeah I love them um hype them up like support them but then a few months down the road is bitch this bitch that and I, I paved the way and I did this and I'm like people who are legends do not carry themselves in that way they allow their artistry to speak for itself no matter what other personal things may have gotten in the way and so forth they don't let that like overshadow not the at all. actual you, music right you don't see Beyonce sitting up here uh, going back and forth for her like critique you know critics you know she has critics everyone has critics there are critics yeah. for everything but she don't be sitting up here because she's confident in the fact of who she is she's confident in the fact of who she is and I think too I don't know what it is with Nikki uh, uh, I'm I'm curious how it's all gonna pan out and play out and if she'll eventually step out of 
I feel mm. like that role of kind of being like, well, I'm the bad guy, I'm the villain in every right. scenario and kind of take accountability mm-hmm. for some things. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know if that's something that will come a little bit further down the line as we've seen right. with other artists as they've aged and progressed. But that's it on my end. Taja, what got you fed up and <gasps> fucked up? Oh my God. Uh, so what's funny is what got me fed up and fucked up um, is not a person. It's a thing. It's a, a bigger thing. And it's climate change because so I live, I live in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. It's a desert climate. So yes. like it could be hot in the, in the day and it cools off at night. However, however Los Angeles has recently had this heat wave, um, wow. like really, really hot heat wave, like over a hundred degrees, like even in the city, I know like the Valley deals with that often, but like we've had that, but it's not just the heat, right? Like dry heat is special in a way that it like, it feels different than in a human climate. Mm-hmm. And I say human climate because now LA is experiencing that. Like I've been here um, almost seven years, the end of this uh, month, it'll be seven years for me from Chicago. And I know what humid summers feel like, and I don't like it. <laughs> like, I don't like humid summers whatsoever. It feels like you're trapped in a hot bathroom. Um, so like, I like more of the drier climates. So mm-hmm. like I moved to LA and I'm like, okay, at least it cools off at night. I'm not tossing and turning on my bed because it's still 90 degrees at night. Like it cools off considerably. But it's been so hot, like it's been so humid. And I'm like, this ain't this ain't what God intended uh for desert climates. Like it's not it. I'm like, that's not how he designed this uh <laughs> this desert climate. I believe it's you. crazy. And I like believe uh, you. And during like that that week that we had the uh the actual heat wave, um, me and my friends went to the beach. And so we went there and something that happened to me that never happened to me before is that my feet got pretty much burned on the sand because it was so hot. Like it was so hot. Ooh. I mean, like, cause you know how you have to like walk across the sand to get to your oh place. My God. Sit, right. So yeah. it felt like forever. I felt like I was like 40 days, 40 nights, like <laughs> honestly, like going without water. <laughs> That's how I felt. And I was like trying to rush to that, that damn Pacific ocean. Cause at least it's cold. Right. So it's so super hot, but you can go into the ocean. Cause it's like real chilly. So I'm like, okay, that felt good. But actually walking across the sand was a struggle for me. Ooh. Um, I think the first time I got sunburned was here in LA, uh, which oh, is wow. crazy. Like, I didn't know like how that felt. I, mm-hmm. I had no concept of it. Um, it didn't hurt. It was just like, my skin was peeling and stuff. And I'm like, what, what is happening? <laughs> and it was like, oh, they was like, okay, oh, you got sunburned. I'm like, oh shit. So, you know, I protect myself more, obviously, was um, sunscreen. Shout out to Black Girl Sunscreen. It's, it's so clutch. But uh, I used that, and I didn't get sunburned that day. But the sand was like, that was my enemy of the day. <laughs> I was walking across the sand. I was like, oh, I had to stop because, like, me and my friends and my cousin was with me. And they're walking across. They're trying to get across fast. And I'm like, oh, I got to stop for a minute. It was literally burning my feet because I had sensitive skin. I have, like, emo drapes. Mm. Like, it's, like, so sensitive. Same. Same. And it's so funny. You said that like being from, are you a native of Chicago? I am. Okay. So yeah, I'm from St. Louis, Midwest. Mm-hmm. I know that change, like we experience all of the seasons and we're right mm-hmm. by the Mississippi. So baby, when it's humid, oh, you like, you are wiping the sweat, the drip yes. because that air just feels thick. Thick. You got to take multiple showers a day because you feel dirty all the time. Like it's just... It's not cool. And you like what, baby? I came out here because I needed that dry heat. And then too, like LA for the most part, when I visited and even other parts of California are pretty much stable, warm. You'll get like maybe to the 
50 60s right. in the evening depending on how far you are from the coast mm-hmm. but during the day you're not getting those really humid humid temperatures so not i'm sure all. you were like it's paradise it's like mild weather like nothing really happens and because you know when i moved here people are like oh you're gonna miss winter no no i <laughs> <laughs> like I had like 30 something years of winter I'm, I know what it feels like and like Screaming. even in California if I want to see snow I can go north like they have snow like up there uh, you know I travel back to um Chicago for the holidays and stuff um mm-hmm. because it is nice to have those white Christmas and stuff I know that is different it doesn't feel as holiday-esque when you're in LA and it's just but like still that's kind of smart though for you to go from Chicago to LA whereas I yeah. always hear about people coming from LA to Chicago and they're like oh shit I gotta buy boots I gotta buy you jackets got I gotta buy coats and I'm like it's right? getting real better car tires like you need better tires because that's that's snow that's salt on the ground Ooh. I'm like it's real oh but yeah climate change has definitely been fucking everybody up I was oh. in Colorado um hanging out for a few days and even in the mountains for two days it was about 86 degrees so that's not nice nice and hot but the the next two days oh it was 46 I said what the hell (laughs) what the hell but luckily I don't know what was going on with my brain but something in my brain clicked and I packed perfectly for it I had my shorts and my sneakers but then I had my sweats and my fleece so I was prepared but still, like you said, where, how, how are we trying to put an end to just these drastic changes in the weather? Like there are no way you can deny what's going on. You cannot deny it. Right. And then it's like people uh, losing access to fresh water, like the, mm-hmm. the dams and all the, the, and all that stuff is like sucking dry. And it's like insane. I'm like, mm-hmm. all, and all over the world, it's happening, right? The icebergs melting, the glaciers melting and stuff. That's not normal. And it's like, you screaming into a void. I'm like, if anything is going to happen, if it's not the viruses and the p- pandemic and stuff that we're dealing with, the earth herself is going to fuck us up. <laughs> like she's going to pretty much us. just collapse into itself. Cause at yeah. this point she said, look, I didn't do what I can do for the last billion or so years, but y'all right? getting the fuck out of control. I, exactly. I completely understand it and believe it. Yeah. She don't invite us to her home and we just fucked it up and brought like nasty potato salad. And was just like sat there like <laughs> horrible. I'm like, guys this is our home acting like it it is lord y'all get out there and sign some petitions please (laughs) support the people who doing the work the scientists who like climate change is real this is a thing make sure y'all are recycling and doing small portions of it um i know one thing i even learned recently your garbage disposal helps with food waste. So even instead of throwing away banana peels, mm. your avocado rinds, put them down the garbage disposal. That'll help mm. with like carbon emissions. But it's small stuff we can do. Not to say it. that, you know, me riding my bike to work will compare to a chemical plant dumping right. into <laughs> a lake. But yeah, still, exactly. do do what y'all can do, folks. Um right. Moving in to the main segment of the show, we have the make it make sense segment, but you guys, we are getting into renaissance. So we are discussing Beyonce's seventh studio album. And like, before we get any further into this episode, I really want y'all to understand y'all cannot tell me shit about this lady. Like 
honestly, I have not been able to really listen to a body of work since this dropped in full capacity. Like I know a few other artists have dropped their albums and they coming out and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to prepare. I know like even Ari, she's coming out with a new album and a few other folks, but I keep going back to Renaissance and I'm just like, as a album, as a body of work, it just feels so good and like dancey. Like I haven't been in a mood like this with music in a while. And I'm definitely somebody that enjoys music. I love music of all genres, white, black, Hispanic, whatever. If it's some good music, I'm gonna listen to it. I'm gonna give it a try. I'm gonna give it a chance. Um, And for background, for those who may be a bit unaware, but this is also the album that she recorded during the beginning of COVID while in isolation. Um, the album itself is like fusion, dance, pop, some R&B, but it's more like a like a real mellow R&B. It still has those elements, I feel like, of dance and pop. And if anything, is very reminiscent of B-Day in my opinion, of like the energy and the transitions uh, throughout the album. And she also goes on to pay a lot of homage to Black and queer icons while exploring like expression, self-love, pleasure. Like we really are getting a new era of Beyonce, which is what I feel like I love about her as an artist. Each body of work is like a new era. We're seeing a completely different side of her. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in recent years, we really haven't gotten just a Beyonce album. Like she's leveled up, but it hasn't been in terms of us just getting this entire new body of work. And, you know, we got Black is King. We got Homecoming. Like we even got um, Everything is Love with her and Jay-Z where it was really interesting to see more of these like narrative directed projects of her not only giving us really good music, but also showing her thought process behind it all. Like kind of connecting those dots across the board, which I think is really interesting. Like, you know, so many artists, they come out with their documentaries, they showcase some behind the scenes, but at least in my opinion, when we got a chance to see Homecoming, like we really got a chance to get inside her brain and see her process and see how diligent and hardworking and she bout about it. If she coming, she expecting you to come just as hard as her, which I think in a way is admirable Mm -hmm. because, you know, you can just hire people and be like, oh, they got the credentials. Come on, let's do the show. But for her, it was just more of like, this is bigger than all of us, which I thought was truly like brilliant in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like when Renaissance like dry and like how you mentioned how she um record this during the pandemic and during the lockdown and stuff when it was like the beginning so she really has a time to like really take her time and digest everything and create something that really was something that was like a whole nother era for her I believe so like going back to that when I listen to it what's funny is like 
I wasn't in, even in the right space or mood to listen mm-hmm. to it. So when I listened to it, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let, I'm just going to sit with it first before I like immediately say my opinion, because that's another thing about like music criticism, especially in a digital age, everybody's, you have to go and say something like right away. And like the actual criticism of the piece isn't as in depth or as good because of that. Cause we're all like, oh, I gotta be first. I gotta be first. So with this, I wanted to really sit with it. And it was one of those things like, oh my God, it really like, um became I became one with it because it took over my life in a way I'm like I kept hearing the songs in my head it was so catchy and then also I just had really big uh desire to to be in a club and dance like which you know which is funny considering where we are right now where that's not particularly always safe Mm -hmm. or you know it's not as as many uh, opportunities to do that but this album came in such a time where we needed that like pure unadulterated joy and mm-hmm. to be open and free express ourselves in a way because we've been locked down and it's been such an introspective period where we've been thinking and we found a lot about ourselves. I'm sure Beyonce found a lot of herself um, mm-hmm. during this. Uh, so it's like, it was so timely. And that's what's so good about her is like, she's so strategic in that way. Like she can release something that's like really timely, but then also not even something that like we're already going through, but she'll like do something or she'll release something that uh, will make us rethink and go yes. in, a, in, you know, in another chapter, pretty much kind of yes. like how she is. Um, it's like a blooming, a blossoming, I guess. I definitely agree with that. And mm-hmm. even then, I think it's interesting how you touched on the fact that with COVID, so many of us had time and isolation to be more introspective and yes be by ourselves and kind of think, you know, is my life panning out how I wanted it to? Should I pivot? What can I change? What can I improve? And even in her official statement for the album release, she shared this three act project was recorded over three years during the pandemic. A time to be still, but also a time I found to be the most creative. Creating this album allowed me a place to dream and to find, um, escape during a scary time for the world it allowed me to feel free and adventurous in a time when little else was moving my intention was to create a safe space a place without judgment a place to be free of perfectionism and overthinking a place to scream release feel freedom it was a beautiful journey of exploration and I feel like her saying that even like enthralls you more because you like yeah girl what you (laughs) What exactly. You talking about, girl? It, it was, what we know about her is that she is a true Virgo, right? Like she's like such a perfectionist. So for her to step outside of that is mm-hmm. huge because mm-hmm. what we know about her is to be this very meticulous person, you know, like the whole, like, um, like, why am I, you know, giving notes if the notes are not applied? Why, why are we even going for her? You know, kind of thing. It's like that. And that's how she is with her team. As you said, like, she's like really strategic and purposeful, intentional in building mm-hmm. a team that's to be this cohesive unit um, mm-hmm. for her work. So yeah, the way she was able to break out of that and become freer with that and yes. still create this very, very like probably I want to say demonstrably like best work you know as far as like what she's done strong it's like Like, how do you how do you beat yourself sort of speak and that's what she did she outdid herself because in a way I feel like from what I've been able to hear throughout the album it just feels very authentic and I mean Mm -hmm. 
you know, there was some controversy. There were some leaks or whatever. Now I'm a real Beehive fan. I listened to the leaks. Y'all say, if you listen to, I ain't listen to the leaks. I waited, I waited, I waited. But still, even I felt like the atmosphere surrounding the release of the album, like it built up that excitement that I just haven't felt in a while with other yeah. artists um, because so many people just drop projects and drop singles and they just con- they can do it so consistently I'm like oh it's not a thing if I really don't hear music from them whereas with Beyonce I'm like she probably put some sort of effort like you said that meticulousness oh, yeah. like she put some really great thought and detail in it and I was even gonna ask you what did you think when she first even announced she was dropping an album yeah so that that whole strategy and rollout was interesting to me right because even the way that she, uh, how she redefined how to drop an album, right, was self-titled mm-hmm. and that surprise drop um, thing. And then she pretty much defined how to, she was the trendsetter of how to do that, right? And then other artists followed along and started doing it as well. But then she's always so ahead of the game because once that ended up being a thing, she switched back and was like, no, I'm telling you the exact date. <laughs> and like, this is when it's coming out. But then also she's so powerful because she drops these box sets without a track list. You don't know what no the fuck track list. You no <laughs> you track know. list. No imagery. Nothing. Imagery, right? They're pick blank. a number. Exactly. Just pick a number, and there you go. And then when she actually drops the uh, the visuals, I'm like crack because it's like she just did like some like little poses, like hey, okay, one, two, three, and you still go eat it up. Like that's how that's the security that I talk about. Like when we come back to full circle of talking mm-hmm. about how secure that you are in yourself because she knows she know she don't got to do much just she'll just drop it and even like uh combining it to how she did the other projects with um self-titled and lemonade and how he combined it with the visuals those ended up being my uh, favorite projects at the time because of the visuals how she told the story through the visuals now with this how she's teasing the visuals and making us wait like how she like to like put a few fl- uh, frames on um social media or we mm-hmm. think it's going to be a video and it's really a Tiffany commercial. I'm like, girl, what? <laughs> it's like, can you do this more? But it's all strategic. Like that's how yes. she works. And like her whole team, Parkwood, everybody there are there. They are ahead of the game and how they work. And she has the power to do that, like to shut the game like that. Um, yes. Which is really fascinating to watch. It is, but it goes to show Like, even though she has been performing and making music for a majority of her life, her mindset and what she's able to do changes. Like, I don't, she, in a way, she sets her own trends. Yeah. So that's just nice to see her being an artist for as long as she's been, that she continues to think ahead. How can I be more progressive? How can I kind of set the standard because I mean it's already Beyonce you know you are getting quality when it comes to this woman but it's just more so like what can I do to entice them more what can I do to give the fans what they want and like she said at this time period in COVID a lot of people were just having a lot of reflection a lot of time alone I know with me I even started this podcast because this was something I had wanted to do for such a long time but I just never found that free time or even that space to really sit down with my ideas and kind of work through okay this is what I want my image to be like these are the type of guests I want these are the topics that I want to discuss so I can definitely see her just 
being by herself, coming up with all of these different things, her working with her small but mighty team, even then, kudos to her team, because baby, Mm. I don't know what kind of magic, what kind of blood she asked them for when they signed that NDA, but baby, we we did not hear a thing. Like I said, we did. We did hear the leaks later on down the line, but that was literally maybe a day or so days before the album even dropped. So it wasn't really a thing, but I'm just like, and then even what she, right. What she um, addressed is like, she addressed the fact that the beehive respected and everybody respected that. Like, so that was unprecedented, right? Like leaks Mm -hmm. are something that you just kind of, oh, it's a thing that's going to happen. Probably not so much with Mm -hmm. Beyonce because, you know, her her team is so secretive or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even things that are ironclad like a Disney, they have leaks all the time. Like these big, you know, gargantuan juggernauts of -hmm. companies. Um, So the fact that that still dropped, but you still didn't hear anybody on, at least they weren't saying it on social media, that they were like, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this, blah, 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 in a world that, as we said before, that like, it wants to be first for everything, like they want to be first. So the fact that they decided to respect that. Um, mm-hmm. Until it actually dropped was actually unprecedented and it really speaks to her influence. It does. And even how she allowed everybody to kind of do the marketing for her in a way. Oh, Cause you know, yes. once she even announced, hey, I'm doing boxes, get your box. So you could even see like what's inside. Like yes. even teasing towards that, people are like, I don't know what the fuck I'm about to get this box, but <laughs> I got to get my box before they sold are so out. And <laughs> it's crazy to think of it that way. But even then, it's kind of like she's still keeping a very strong community of yes. her fans. Because like I have friends that are Beyonce fans, but then I got friends that are Beyonce fans. So mm-hmm. the ones that were, we, like, which box you get, like what you, what you thinking there, what you, what's different, how you feeling about this, what you like about this. So even mm. that, like kind of giving us something more to speak about and think through. Um, One other thing I was going to say I love about Renaissance is my list of favorites keeps changing yes I feel like I have one I had one ranking when it first came out (laughs) then a few weeks ago I had another and now today I'm like wait a minute I'm listening to one song a little bit more than the others what would you say are some of your favorites on the album and why right so like what's funny is uh that happens to me as well like rankings change but Mm -hmm. there is one that was I just said fast and that's alien superstar that was the one that I love the most from first listen Mm-hmm. And still my favorite. However, I will switch up to like a pure honey or uh I think yeah, energy. I will uh switch up to heated. I love yes, yes. Um, but it's like it's it's those like those those club sounds that house music, that that ballroom sound that again, I'm like, it just makes me want to be in a room, a sweaty room with people dancing, which is why I'm like, I'm really, really antsy about her tour that may or may not come because um I feel I feel like that would be a way to bring us all together in a in a time that we were also isolated from each other that's why mm-hmm. it's so genius like she wrote this thing and created this and produced this and all this in a time where we were also isolated including her she was isolated but mm-hmm. at the end what she wanted to do was bring us all together in community and joy and all experience joy together mm-hmm. and so those songs are to me like has that uh that feel to me um, and then I will say, you know what? It has a problem too, has inched up like higher than it was before. <laughs> because it's like 
when you first hear it it's kind of like okay b-boy yeah yeah it's like okay just giving me a little bit of 90s within a beat drop and it get a little steady and then she's singing like she's actually singing and doing the runs you like girl you have done something um i i'm also a fan of heated i love heated um interestingly enough i didn't realize it until a friend pointed it out but she's like you know mr audrey yeah audrey graham he had a pin in that and i said (laughs) i can hear it yes it sounds like a song that he would do right like himself i can hear it um (laughs) it's so him i love move um oh my goodness plastic off the sofa like i think all around though my favorite might be church girl i don't know why are you are you you a church girl i am not a church Oh, okay. I am. I'm probably least the least likely church girl, but I still just like. I feel like the things that she's singing about are very much geared towards black women and just mm-hmm. how we carry this strength and so many different things on our back. When in reality, it's like you got to dance that shit off. Hell yeah! Whether it be through faith, spirituality, or just your own self-expression, which I feel like that's something that I admire and also just like kind of like how she goes about using the gospel from the Clark sisters like even that like literally so original so unique but it's still in a way paying homage to all of these other black artists that have paved the way before her you know including her feature with um Grace Jones and Mm -hmm. some other I believe she had um some trans producers and so forth on Cozy so just yeah. all around, I feel like, you know, she brought not only her A-game, but brought in these other people with their A-games. I was like, girl, mm-hmm. you know what you doing. So right? all those collaborators, right? We're also, you know, kept a secret. Like, I yes. know they were like itchy. Like, imagine being called by Parkwood and be like, hey, we want to either sample your stuff or we want sample your audio, you know, like she did Big Frida or, you know, like, I'm like, to be able to be quiet in that because you know that it's going to be worth it once it actually comes out right oh for sure and I always I always feel like a lot of them even go back and talk about their work with her and they're like oh my god not only just amazing because of who she is but just her whole process and working through that and kind of seeing it firsthand has Mm -hmm. even taught me to level up and I would definitely say too break my soul came back around (laughs) because when I first heard it like when you hear it out of the context of the album you're like okay this is cute cute I like it it's a it's a dance song but then once you hear it like in full you like child and again screaming you like every every uh person who knows Beyonce who is a fan of her is a stand of her knows she is the queen of transitions but this that's what, again, that's why I'm like, I'm itching to actually see this perform on tour because that's just how she flexes her transition muscles is when she's on tour and her concerts. So like the way this flows, I'm like, you don't even know what, what one start begins and one's the other ends. I'm, it's that smooth. Like, mm-hmm. unless you like look at the actual credits, like, oh, this song is on or you hear the hook. You're like, this is like one cohesive piece. It's like a fucking ocean. Like it just- As it should oh. be, as it right? should be. Like, that's what we are missing. Is. We are missing that. And I feel like that's something that, if anything, I feel like a lot of times it's more of like a a production thing or people Mm -hmm. who produce music, they kind of listen more so to those transitions. So for her to be very intricate about how each song transitions smoothly. Yes. 
amazing. And last but not least, I got one more question for mm-hmm. you. How do you feel that this album fits into her overall legacy? That's a great question. Even though we already know we got two other acts. This is just uh, exactly. act one. Exactly. That's what blows my mind. I'm like, girl, what is she going to do next? Um, <laughs> but her overall legacy. Wow. Um, you know what? Uh, when I'm, when I saw this rollout and saw that she was going to do the three acts, and then when I actually heard this piece of work, mm-hmm. it made me think that this is like kind of a magnum opus thing, right? Not necessarily her last complete work, mm-hmm. but to me, it's like, um, it gives me something that she's she's trying to express something that she's always wanted to express, right? Because mm-hmm. even knowing the background of like the Uncle Johnny made my dress and her dedicating that um, to Uncle Johnny is that you know, she's going back in the vault, like of all these things that she's grew up with and um, expressing that, you know, in this freer way, right? Um, And that probably um, goes back to like how I looked at her differently once she released uh, Self-Titled and then on and all the projects after that is because I'm like, oh, she is like breaking out of, you know, what this this um this this um I guess this uh mold probably this mold right or this um what people have people viewed her as Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. this thing that they viewed her as before was under the Matthew No structure right um so like she was breaking out of that kind of like a control like Janet Jackson thing like in her own way so renaissance is that too so I think like renaissance is her really really like oh I don't give a fuck like I don't like I really do not because it's not even just that she's older now, she's a mother, you know? So that brings like a whole different, you know, look look throughout life, which I wouldn't know because I'm not a mother, but mm-hmm. it's just a whole different outlook on life and you just freer and you you really don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about and, you. And you, we can tell she don't give a fuck. You like, I really know I was me. listening to the read earlier when they even did their recap yeah. on Renaissance and, you know, Crystal, Kid Fury, they do not hold back. But no. even with them, I was screaming because they like, my girl is cursing. Like, we remember when Beyonce did not curse. Right. Like, and it was like a treat to hear her, like, every so often hear her curse. She was not cur. Like, now we it. are getting this and it's not even like it's overtly sexual, but it's still like a lot of expression regarding yeah. sexuality, being comfortable in your skin, releasing yourselves from the shackles of the day to day. Not to say, you know, Beyonce has lived our lives because my girl been wealthy for a long time, Absolutely. but still her, like you said, breaking out of this perception that we have of her as an artist when in reality she's like I can give y'all some new shit real quick real easy I could could flip it up any anytime y'all wanted to and allowing her to do that right because none of us are in a public eye but we ain't the same as we were 23 years old or you know what have you you know 16 years old or whatever we're not Mm -hmm. the same um Mm -hmm. and so like her going into this new decade you know in Mm -hmm. the 40s is just you know that's uh, women tell me all the time it's like okay once you get 40 you really don't give a fuck you get 50 you really don't you know like the older you do you see uh, older people they are the people who will give it to you absolutely no and that's so and two I think it kind of even with that her being in her 40s like you know just in general like women we do live in such a misogynistic society that it's like oh your life ends after oh, you turn God. 30 if you ain't married and got kids by then 
your dreams crushed, canceled, get on with your life. So even for her to still be as respected as she is and to still be pushing herself to be a better artist Mm -hmm. at her age, that just lets you know, like, like you said, life does not stop at any age. You just keep going. You keep getting better. You keep not giving a fuck, essentially. (laughs) Period. And I love that about her. Um, I'm trying to think, was there anything else that you wanted to share about the album or just your thoughts overall? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the tour. I mean, I know this is going to be like such a good time. Like we are going to show up and show out. Baby, I'm about to be rubbing pennies and nickels together, but I'm going to be there too. <laughs> right, because be you there. know she just go, she's just going to be like, hey, here you go. Right before payday even comes, she's going to be like, here, here go the tickets. She'll be like, y'all, uh, anywho, I'm going on tour. Uh, yeah, right. if y'all want to come or whatever. Like Exactly. Like, that have, you seen, have you seen her in concert? yes so like her like my um I've only seen her one time so I saw her during the the formation okay yes yes amazing that was a great time she is a great entertainer like again as I mentioned the transitions thing like I've seen clips of like how good she is with transitions but seeing that in person I was like oh she is a great entertainer the way she commands a stage um and then how much fun she has so I think this one isn't going to be even better because that and then just just the people watching is going to be great because you know everybody gonna be dressed to the nines like and they're like they're wearing the club wear like everybody gonna be like all sexy and it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good and I really hope she incorporates some element of like crowd participation whether it be like a dance floor or something but like you said it is going it's gonna be amazing yes, to see. like true ballroom. I bet that's gonna happen. Like in the pit, you know that shit. Ooh, it's gonna ooh a lot. <laughs> Get excited just <laughs> thinking about it. But you guys, moving on to the last segment of the show, we have you are drove. So I typically do this in a structure of talking about something in the news that I've seen recently where somebody, whether they're a celebrity, political figure, whomever thought something was going to work out in their favor and it didn't. But I'm going to go in a different direction for this segment um, today just because I watched something that was so like, it was just so heartfelt. And as a black person, I feel like other black people, which predominantly most of my listeners are black should tune into but I'm not sure if you gotten a chance to see it but yesterday um on my Sunday I did not want to be sad but I just wanted to really sit and rest but I decided to turn on the Katrina Babies documentary I haven't seen it yet is phenomenal oh my mm-hmm. gosh it's so good um For many of you who don't know, like the documentary itself is by a first time filmmaker. His name is Edward Buckles, Edward Buckles Jr. But basically it offers a very intimate look into the lives of all of the children and families impacted by Hurricane Katrina, which we know was like a humongous disaster that was only made worse by the breaking of the levy. Um, but just throughout the documentary, it's more of like a, a reflection of the aftermath of the hurricane. Um, and it really takes a, a deeper dive into how this one population was very overlooked, which were the children. Like you're getting the parents' perspectives, you've gotten the teachers, you've gotten the lawmakers. Like, you know, we've seen a lot of that in the past, but to actually see how this 
event changed the trajectory of all of these children's lives was like crazy. Cause even then Katrina was 17 years ago to put it mm-hmm. into perspective. Mm-hmm. I was only nine years old at the time, but yeah. I vividly remember it because like one, we had some families coming to our school and they were introduced to students like, Oh, they're from new Orleans. They're here. Um, like, to get away or they had family essentially so this is what made them come to St. Louis I also have family that are natives of Baton Rouge Louisiana Mm -hmm. and um, one of my cousins and her husband and her son lived in New Orleans for a long time but when it happened they packed up what they could and went to Nashville and then relocated to St. Louis with the rest of our family so I knew like okay, this is a big deal as a kid, but now to watch it as an adult and kind of see the magnitude mm. was crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's that that has been on my list. Um, now you're inspiring me to put it higher in my list because I've heard like such great things about it. Um, and that would be interesting to see like their perspective of like when you're younger, you hear about it and like how it is now. And then like, um, so I had never been to New Orleans pre-Katrina mm-hmm. I visited post Katrina like a couple of times mm-hmm. and just like knowing that um, the community and the residents are still to this day recovering from that in various ways, but the, the, the power and um, because when I go, when I went to New Orleans, I said that I've been to a lot of like metropolitan cities in the U S and like a lot of them are similar, right? Like everybody has the skyscrapers and the skylines and all that you know, you go to New York or go to Chicago, it's like New York is bigger, but it's the same. Mm -hmm. But New Orleans is the most unique experience I've ever had. It's like no other city I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of cities in the U.S. But the energy of New Orleans and the the, the pure joy and happiness that the people exude, the like the friendliness is on another level. Like it's not just Mm -hmm. like hospitality. It's like legit. They they love people like they do. And when you think about New Orleans, you think of blackness. Yes. In a way, New Orleans is a black ass yeah, city. Very black. They yeah. are so black. So even when I was watching it, how they just talked about the overall demographic of how many black people Ugh. were literally had to disperse from right. this place that they had known their whole lives. Like yes. some of the people were like, for many of us, this was our first time leaving New Orleans. We hadn't went anywhere else. We didn't have the funds. We didn't have the money to just be traveling. We were happy with our community, our house, and our family down the street that we did have. So when this happened, nobody was thinking, oh, we're not going to have anything to come back to where literally when they did, when they were able to come back, they were like, nothing is left. Like one guy even described it as like, a town of ghost. He was like, mm. it was like a ghost town. You come mm. back. Wow. You lucky if your house is even still standing and exactly. you got a few possessions that you can go in and get, but a lot of homes were completely demolished. Mm. Um, people talked about being stuck in their attics for those days <laughs> on end with no electricity, no running water, no food. And I think just them as adults reflecting back to being children I think it was just so much harder because they were like you know not only was my home gone but my entire community I no longer have my school I no longer have my friend's house to look Mm. to like 
there were so many little things that made a larger impact that I feel like a lot of times people hadn't even like spoken to them to ask them how they feel like literally a majority of them who were on there talking were like this is the first time I've even been able to share my story and literally it was it was definitely an American tragedy and I think this just showcased that more but even to see how a lot of them are still striving for greatness and excellence and still putting back into their community was beautiful because the man who um directed it the filmmaker like I said before Edward Buckles Jr he was even inspired to create the documentary because he was a media teacher at a local um I think it was middle school or high school but really even just talking to his students and learning more about them who were probably like babies at the time of Katrina that's what really led him to reflect on like oh my god this was such an impactful thing on my life I've never really taken the time to sit down and uh digest it yeah that is yeah that's that's amazing yeah um uh, and when you talk when you t- said about how the the subjects of the documentary were saying yeah this is the first time that I was able to tell my story because that was that that's huge because you know even when it was covered there was not a lot of humanization of you know how it was covered in the people and how it actually affected people it was just like this larger scale thing like oh this happened to the city and then mm-hmm. they were just abandoned you know pretty much it was just like oh there was just they exploited it basically like they exploited yes. the story and sensationalized it like oh my gosh this is a huge thing to happen and then there was this other layer of like George Bush being president and like all these things uh, but the people you know they were forgotten um pretty so much and when you I think about, about again the fact that these people look just like you and I how Thank easy you. we already know it is for people to overlook us and go on about like the other stories where they're like oh it's people in Pakistan or it's people in the Ukraine not to say their story should be diminished any less but these are literally American citizens who were refugees literally that's how they were described as refugees and just to think about it from that standpoint it's like we're not from a third world country like why why wouldn't our government come and help us and save us at such a critical time Exactly. And that's what, yeah, that's what it like frustrates me so much about America and American politics and the, the way we frame how we look, right? We're like, mm-hmm. we always want to be on this holier than thou box. And I'm like, no, we don't treat our own that great. Literally. Pretty much like shit. Literally. <laughs> you know? And you guys, I would definitely say watch it at a time where you're not completely unstable because you may shake, rattle something loose, oh. but it's Absolutely. still very it still does pull on your heartstrings just to yeah. see these people again have these reflections and just to think about it because I know me I was literally just like I cannot even imagine like just everything that I ever knew being gone on just like that yeah that's that's what really made me like I'm procrastinating watching it because I have to be in a space to be like oh my god this is gonna piss me off it's gonna make Please. me sad um, but yeah, I definitely want to like honor these people's stories. I'm so glad that their stories are being told in this way, um, in such a heartwarming way. Um, so I can't wait to see that because I've heard nothing but good things about the documentary. Yes, girl, you you are going to enjoy it. But you guys, that is it for this week's episode. It has been a pleasure having Tanja with me today to talk about a little bit of everything. Do you want to tell my listeners where they can find you at or any upcoming projects that you have? Yeah. Yeah. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, 
uh, Facebook, all that stuff uh, at Tondra Stidham. So my at name is Tondra Stidham, T-O-N-J-A-S-T-I-D-H-U-M. Um, you can also follow me at my website, TondraReneeStidham.com to see what I got going on. Um, you can follow my web series, Wing Chick Series um, on uh, all the socials and all that where you find it. Um, but yeah, I had such a great time, Sydney. Um, and this is great. I love, I love this podcast. I love like the structure of it too. Like it's so cool. Like I, you got a subscriber in me now. Thank you. Me. Well, yeah. it was fun having you, you guys. I will put all of her information in the description of this week's episode so you can easily see what she has going on. But that is it, you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.